We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to another episode of Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Deus, here at the Wynn Las Vegas Blue Wire Studios. We are here. We're in the building. This episode, uh, I should have done this on the last one, but shouts to my guy, Will, for coming on the show very last minute. It's been a exhausting adventure since coming out here and i haven't been able to give everyone a little bit of a rundown of what the show's gonna look like and just moving forward the release dates and everything it's been a little bit of a chaotic trip since getting here but it's also been awesome shouts to all the guys in the control room right now holding me down as always so we're gonna be recording out the wind studio in vegas the blue wire studio Every Monday and Wednesday, you'll be able, if you're ever in Vegas, walking by, you'll be able to catch us recording here. And then as far as the podcast goes, it'll probably be, it'll definitely be up Monday nights late and then on Thursday mornings, the usual. And one of the coolest things about this entire new venture that we're on is you'll finally be able to watch all the podcast episodes on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash veterans minimum. In the past, I've had to do all the editing as well as shouts to my guys, Dom and Eric. And a lot of times it was my fault that the whole episode would not get uploaded because I would get lazy and I wouldn't edit the entire episode. But now we'll be able to have all the files live. So you'll be able to watch the whole, all the clips on the YouTube channel of the podcast. Um, also, Patreon. Shouts to the members of the Patreon we got Nick Chavez, Christopher Velasquez, Jordan Riley, Mike Wozniak, Alex Harden. You all are also in the VM Fantasy League. Congrats to Mike, Dom, Jordan, Chris, Rune, and myself for getting wins. Nick Chavez, he ran into the buzzsaw, which are the Dirty Lambs, and he lost in week one. But thank you all for your pledges. And new members of the Patreon, we got Spiro, Kristen, and Rick Rosen, an annual pledge. Thank you all for contributing. 
veteransminimum.com is where you can find everything vm it's a hub where you can find all the links to everything over there this way i'm not plugging 25 different things at the end of every show and then we're coming off a five and oh week against the spread i'm in a super contest with a book that i'm not going to mention because they're not a sponsor so until they do pay up we're gonna keep it nameless but i mentioned the five picks that i enter every time in the contest and there's also a betting pod on the Patreon and there's access to the discord. We got about like a hundred members in the discord and we, you know, we're just yapping in there, whatever the sport is, whatever the picks are and having some fun banter back and forth. So before I get into the episode that you're going to hear, I had someone scheduled to come in, but unfortunately they couldn't make it. So I do have an emergency episode with my jujitsu coach back home, Hugh McKenna. But before I do release that, I did want to talk about something that I kind of mentioned it during the summer programming of VM where we were doing some divisional breakdowns and whatnot and even on the preview show. But it kind of came to fruition earlier this week with some of the national pundits with the NFL and it has to do with Lamar Jackson. So I feel like Lamar Jackson might be the most polarizing NFL player. And the more I think of it, he might be the only professional athlete in this country, like American sports. I can't comment on Europe and some of these soccer players. For as much as I know soccer, I don't know what the mainstream media in France feels about Neymar or how Manchester feels about Ronaldo. But I don't think there's an athlete in professional American sports that the goalposts move more than Lamar Jackson. Uh, it's always some new shit with him that we nitpick and we critique. It started off with him being a running back or should have been a running back or play receiver to him not being able to throw, to him not being able to win, to him not being able to make the playoffs. Then he gets to the playoffs and then he wins MVP. And it's it, it's a funny saying that my friends and I have whenever we'll play like Call of Duty or some shit. And like one of us goes like, you know, 18 and 10 kill death ratio. And we're like, ah, yeah, it's never good enough. Right. And that's how I feel it is for Lamar Jackson. It's always something with him. And it's just. No matter how well he does, it's not good enough. Dude is 38 and 12 as a starter. He's won MVP. Every year that he's been healthy and he's played, they make the playoffs. Last year, they were the top seed in the loaded AFC. Then he gets hurt and they end the year on a losing streak. So they don't make the playoffs last year. And he's done all of this with below average weapons outside of one elite player at tight end Mark Andrews everything else is kind of mid it's kind of mediocre there's not much there where you feel confident starting him in your fantasy league other than Lamar Jackson or Mark Andrews and everyone that listens to this show knows how I feel about Justin Herbert and how I feel about Josh Allen and Lamar is way more accomplished than these guys are Lamar's one MVP he's 38 and 12 as a starter better, better record than all of those guys and the reason why I'm mentioning them and Pat Mahomes and Kyler Murray, who got the bag in the offseason, too, is Lamar hasn't signed this contract yet. They're playing these games with him in Baltimore. And I love it as someone that's financially invested on the Ravens to win the AFC and have some Super Bowl stuff with them. I love betting on a guy who's betting on himself. And this happened with the Ravens many years ago. Joe Flacco went into his final season as a rookie and he won the Super Bowl. And I think with Lamar, it's just crazy that he's, we're already crowning Josh Allen as, you know, they're the Super Bowl favorite and he's the best quarterback in the league. We're crowning 
rightfully so, Pat Mahomes, right? He might not fit this mold because he's already been accomplished. But Justin Herbert hasn't won a big game in his career yet. And we're coining him the next one up. And everyone was talking about uh, Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Pat Mahomes having these monster games in week one. It's like Lamar threw multiple touchdowns too. And his team won comfortably. Uh, all those other teams with the exception of, of the Chiefs were kind of in nail biters until Buffalo blew them out in the second half. It's just weird to me. It's weird to me with, with Lamar uh, how, how the narrative changes around him depending on like how people are feeling that day. And it makes no sense. And to me, Lamar Jackson should be paid with his peers that he's grouped with. And I also think that this, this Lamar Jackson FU run that he's going to go on now the rest of the year for as long as he's healthy, they play Miami this week. I think they dominate Miami. I think Miami's coming off a big win against a team that's a division rival. Now I think it could be a little bit of a letdown. They showcase all those, all those new weapons. Lamar's going to be at home. They're a three-point favorite right now against Miami. I think that line is wrong. I think Baltimore should be a bigger favorite. And I think, I think the Ravens are going to compete to be the top seed in the AFC once again. And the longer these contract issues go down in Baltimore, I think it's only going to be better for Ravens fans and for people invested in Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Now, we do want him to get paid for job security purposes. And nowadays, the quarterback is making north of like $250 million guaranteed in some, in some cases. And it's just, it's always going to be something with Lamar Jackson that is going to be a polarizing topic, whether or not you pay him or not. But if you just, we just listed off all his accomplishments, it's wild that this is even an issue whatsoever. The last thing that I do want to mention as far as the NFL goes before we segue into a conversation that I had with my jiu-jitsu coach, Hugh McKenna, back home is uh, target teams that lost bad in week one this week, right? Massive overreactions from week one to week two. And there are a couple of teams that lost bad in week one that are playing teams that won in week one and surprise people, right? Perfect example. I've already bet the Packers minus nine and a half. That line is up to 11. They're coming off an embarrassing loss in division to the Vikings. Now they're coming home, playing the Bears primetime. Chicago had a monster win. No one thought they were going to win that game. They were a three-to-one dog against San Francisco. Now they're going to play Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers in Wisconsin, in Green Bay. Green Bay can't afford to go 0-2 to start the year, but also, more importantly, 0-2 in division. I think Green Bay beats them by 20 or more points. I might even dabble in the alternate spread. But those are kind of some of the scenarios and spots that I like targeting, especially early on in the year when you have those massive overreactions from week one to week two. You'll be able to hear a lot of the extra betting stuff on the Patreon. That'll be up Friday before you submit your picks for week one and all the other stuff. Thank you for supporting Veterans Minimum. VeteransMinimum.com is where you can find everything. And what you're going to hear now is my chat with my jiu-jitsu coach, Hugh McKenna. He's a professional fighter. He's a jiu-jitsu black belt. He's the guy that gave me my blue belt in jiu-jitsu. And this was a conversation that we had back home before I ended up moving out to Vegas. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you enjoy week two. And we will catch you guys next time. I didn't want to turn it so hard because I feel like... I'm stronger than most people, and I just like break things. And I'm just like, it doesn't feel like it's turning. Yeah. Like, 
I need to get permission. Well, you're also one of the few people that I've had, or probably I would say is going to sound like really cool of me and uh, really tough, but you might be the only person in here that I would definitely be intimidated by. (laughs) 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 You actually know what you're doing. And if people watch the videos, they could see the The cauliflower. cauliflower. (laughs) My coach, my friend, my... uh, the guy that humbled me one time on the mats, which, uh, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out on the Patreon. So if they're a Patreon member, they'll, they'll, they'll be able to see me just get absolutely mauled. Well, you're, by... not, you're not on the screen half the time. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what's crazy? I got to show you this after. There's uh, the glass mirror that was there. Oh, you can, you can actually see the whole thing. So we're not in the <laughs> shot because we were in the dance studio at the time. But I'm just getting ragdolled. A little but, bit. Yeah, a little, a little bit. bit. Uh, Hugh McKenna. How's it going? Um, nice to be here. I'm happy to finally get you on. Um, backstory, you're my jiu-jitsu coach, my MMA coach. More jiu-jitsu because I don't like getting punched or checking <laughs> kicks. I'm really good on that. I don't think anyone likes getting punched. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I feel like you're someone that likes hard sparring, though. That's what everyone has told me about you. Yeah, I like punching you. other people. I don't like being punched. Fair. I don't think anyone does. Yeah, but that doesn't. that's not like an adrenaline rush for you? I mean, like... You do strike me, like, as a psychopath that would kind of like it. <laughs> I'm definitely an adrenaline junkie. So, like, yeah. you know, I, I love that that feeling of, like, when you walk up to a cliff and you're, like, about to jump off and your stomach feels like it's going to drop out and you're, like... <gasps> <laughs> that, like, breath hold moment. I love that. You know, that's why I, that's why I got into fighting, you know? And, and, like, because I wrestled and, like, that feeling is, like, lives through wrestling. And so, like, I definitely feel that. And, like, hard sparring gets you there a little bit. But, like... I don't know. You have to hard spar sometimes in order to prepare for a fight. I don't. I only hard spar when I have a fight. I don't hard spar otherwise. It's just not worth the juice. Isn't worth the squeeze. Yeah, I feel as if, and you're you're really interesting. I'm not just saying that because you're on too. Because I'm blown away that you don't like watching MMA. It's like not that you, I don't like watching it, but you don't follow it. Because I know right. there'll be times the guys and I will be warming up. You put us through that hell of a warm-up that is like, all right, why do we even need to continue class? I'm already sweating and alligator crawls and all these rolls. But we'll be talking about UFC cards coming up or the events coming up. And you're just like, yeah, I know who these guys are or these girls are, but you don't really follow it. Yeah, you know what? A lot of the times the, the cards are on really late and being a professional athlete means you need to sleep. Like sleep is your number one performance enhancing thing. So I'm not willing to sacrifice my sleep in order to watch a fight. I'm just not going to do it. And since most of the cards are like West Coast, Las Vegas kind of thing, it's really late out here. It's like one in the morning by the time the main event goes on. And I'm just not interested in staying up that late. I'm always bitching and moaning yeah. about the end time here right like it ends uh, every time they're in jersey or in the tri-state area my friends and i we got a little ufc group we have a chat we call it the ufc chat and we always go to the cards we even went to pfr i remember i hit you up and i was like yo do you yeah, have anyone yeah. you're cornering or whatever we'll get to that in a little bit but we left madison square garden when it was covington usman mm-hmm. and we're waiting for our uber and i go dude this is fucking crazy it's 1:20 in the morning right it's like no one wants to do anything after that. Whereas, right. like in the West Coast, that's people use those events because I've been to two cards in Vegas. They use those events as like pre games, right? After dinner, and then they have yeah. the whole night ahead of them. Dude, even when I was in college and I was like real rambunctious and trying to like go out and like drink and whatnot and party and do that whole party boy thing. Two in the morning hit. Me and my roommate, we we left wherever we were, or if we had a party in our room, we just dipped out and went to bed. Didn't matter. Like I was always like that. So like, 
I don't know. I'm I'm older and smarter, and I'm just I'm I'm not willing to sacrifice my health for anything. And so like I just I'm just not gonna stay up and watch it. I'll catch like highlights the next day, and like the fight's ruined by those. So like I don't go back and watch it unless it's like someone I really liked watching. Like GSP, I would always catch his fights. Is that your favorite fighter? You would yeah, say? you know, he was, someone that you liked when I watching? like first started, he was champion. Like he was like be, like almost champion. He, like you know, and I just really respected like the martial arts side of him. You know, he he wasn't like a shit talker. He didn't. He just went out there and did his thing, and I really liked that. Like classy assholes. Yeah, he's like a traditional martial artist, and like that, like martial arts spirit is something that I I really respect and try and emulate. And I don't I don't like what the sport has become. It's gross. It's interesting you mentioned GSP because everyone that listens to this and, and, and follows me on social media, they know, like, that's that's my favorite fighter. He got me into the UFC, too. I remember watching him when I went to spring break in Cancun. My one friend at the time, this is like affliction tap-out era <laughs> of UFC. And Those my, are the days. Yeah, my one buddy was obsessed with it. He was, like, super hardcore, and he's like, yo, guys, Saturday night, there's this big pay-per-view. We got to watch it. And everyone's, you know, we're 18, 19 years old. We're like, yo, we're not going out. We're not going to go to a bar to watch fights. We don't even like the sport like that. The only thing I knew about UFC was Ken Shamrock. <laughs> right. Because I'm a huge wrestling w, fan. Yeah, w, w. So I told my buddy, I was like, yo, I'll go with you, man. His, his name was George. I was like, yo, George, I'll go with you. So you're not alone, you know. And we went, and I saw him come out in the gi. He had like a Japanese writing on the top, <laughs> and I was like, "Yo, this guy is crazy." He's fighting Dan Hardy. He had mm-hmm. the mohawk, the red mohawk. But uh, yeah, man, do you do you like watching uh, your friends fight? That's tough, man. You know, it... you recently were over in Europe for mm-hmm. Chris Wade, yeah, in the PFL, and you corner him as well. Yeah, so like watching your friends when you're not in the corner is a little different. Like you're you're nervous watching them when you're at home or at the arena just in the crowd because like you know what to do yourself and you know them and what they're capable of in the gym and when they're not doing that or when there's like the potential of like, you know, they're they're not winning the fight. There's only two of them in there. One of them's got to lose, you know you like want so badly for them to like be their gym self and then you're like watching it not happen you're just frustrated and you're not in the driver's seat it's like being in a car accident and not being able you're hitting that imaginary brake like hoping that the car's going to stop but nothing you can't do shit you're just there you're along for the ride is it weirder or not i shouldn't say weird that might be the wrong term for it but is it worse when you are in their corner and it doesn't go that way you know, because they're like, if you're in the corner, I don't want to say you have complete control, but it's definitely completely different for if you're. No, I mean, like, let's get it straight. You have no control when you're in the corner. You can, you yeah. can kind of like, like, kind of usher someone to like the right thing to do, but like at the end of the day, they're gonna do what they're gonna do, and like you're not in control. And if you're a corner trying to, or a coach trying to control your fighter, like you're doing it wrong. And, like, they're not going to perform well because, like, you and him are different. And there's always intangible things that you can't see when, when you're not in there, right? There's a feeling you get. Or, like, maybe I fainted and he didn't bite on it. Or, like, you saw a look in his eyes like he was going to counter really hard if I came in. You know, like, those are intangible things that, like, you can't, the fighter can't express to us. And we don't see. So we'll yell out, like, advice. But, like... They can take it or leave it. I'm not, like, upset if anyone doesn't do anything I say, you know? And 
when when guys start losing, you know, it's it's kind of easier when you're in the corner because you get to go in there and be like, hey, buddy, like, let's let's do this, this, and this. This looked really good. Just keep doing that. This looked kind of bad. Don't do that, you know. And you you kind of get to like get your two your two cents in, and that kind of placates you a little bit. And so for some reason, it's just not as nerve wracking. And like you're like part of the whole build up to the fight too. Like when I went out with Wade for the PFL, I I was there the whole week. So like you know like that that like adrenaline like highs and lows like already happened like 700 times throughout the week so like at the you're like kind of like anesthetized to it but at that point you know so the 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 corner is less nerve-wracking for some weird reason you know i, I get you on like the feeling out process but i just think of it like there's times where we're just rolling on the mats and i know it's jujitsu and it's completely different from mma but there'll be times where like i'll look over at you and you'll just like say one thing and it'll get me out Totally, and th- and that happens during fights too. But like you know, it doesn't always happen. Sometimes you yell something, and the guys like, I've I've had coaches yell stuff to me, and like they're great coaches, and like I love them, and and I w- would listen to anything they say. But sometimes like, you just don't feel like they're right in that in that particular instance, and that's your choice. Now, how do you deal with that? Is that is there like a clash of egos if you're if you're cornering me and I'm fighting and okay. you're telling me something? And then in that one, what is it? It's like 90 seconds you have in between the rounds or a minute? It's a minute. It's yeah. a minute, right? So like, and then maybe as as you're getting out the octagon, you're probably just yelling at him a couple more things. So maybe right. let's just say like 70 seconds. Right, 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 yeah. Is there like a clash of egos if you're telling me to do something that will help me win, mm-hmm. but I'm not doing it? No. Because like, like I said, there's so many intangibles. And like, let's say you took a calf kick. And your your motion as a fighter is like your head movement is side to side like lateral footwork, right? And that's what makes you really good. And all of a sudden, you took this calf kick and your peroneal nerve shuts down. Now you can't really step hard, right? If you do, you're going to fall. And, and like pain shoots through your leg every single time you try and do anything. You can't push off that foot either. And now I'm yelling at you to be yourself and side to side motion. And you're getting hit by punches now because you're stuck in the mud, like, yeah, okay, I'm yelling something, but, like, I don't know his leg is hurt. He, he's not going to look back at me and be like, hey, asshole, my leg is hurt. Like, shut up. You know, like, as the fighter, you, you, you hear your corner if you can, if it's not super loud. And, like, you take their advice when you can. You know, other than that, you're, you're in control. And if you don't realize that as a coach, like, I, I kind of feel bad for you because that's got to be really frustrating. How do you feel about fighting? Like when you got in a what fight. sense? Like when you got a fight and you're in the cage. Because oh, I feel like, dude, there's not a there's not an athlete I respect more than MMA fighters. Whether it's like the regional guy, the amateur guy, like for you to go into that cage is wild to me. <laughs> and especially once I started training, because I was never I was never one of those dudes that would go to go to bars or watch it with my buddies and I would boo. Like right, that drives right, me right, crazy, yeah. especially once I started training. But I was never like yeah, that, yeah. right? Like but get once, up, <laughs> yeah. Or, oh come on, man, this is boring. Like they're just laying on each other, right? And then once I started training with Sergio, who was a mutual friend of ours, yeah. I started training with him. And like early on, like after like the first week, dude, I'm like, all right, I never booed. There's no chance in hell I'm ever <laughs> booing now. Right? Like you understand, a guy just like 
putting his shoulder into you on side control is just so dominating. Yeah, yeah. Just like, yo, I'm defenseless here. Right, right. You don't realize how tiring it is when you're pushed up against the cage. You Fuck think they're, yeah. you think the guy's resting, but he's like expending all his energy to keep someone there. You know. So we, we, you like when it comes to fighting, what is it that you and is it fair to say you enjoy? How long have you been doing it? I don't think I've ever asked you that. So uh, my first fight was in 2010. Um, so I guess 12 years now. Uh, but I wrestled since I was like six years old. So I've been wrestling. Right, so that like, was your background. Into- yeah, so like, you know, like competitively, like that, that feeling that we talked about, you know, I was kind of used to that. But it, it changes when you're getting punched, right? And you're, you're, you're taking damage like that. Like in wrestling, you're just getting like positionally dominated or jujitsu. Like you have the option to tap out, right? Like you're not going to let your own arm break and unless you're an idiot. <laughs> But, uh, like, in a fight, like, you can't tap out when a punch is coming towards your head. Like, it hits you in the face or doesn't. And so, like, there's, there's like, that weird, like, unexpected uh, anxiety, like, fear of, like, the uncertainty and things like that. And so, like, if you asked me 10 years ago, like, when I first started, I was so adrenaline crazy and, like, testosterone driven as a young kid that, like, I didn't think about those things. I just went out there and fought. And, like, it was all feeling. And I... Like, my first fight ended, like, I went three rounds, I went to the de- uh, and I won the decision, and, like, at the end of the third round, my corners come into the, the, the cage, and I'm like, hey, guys, like, you got any advice for me? And they're like, it's over. <laughs> and I was like, what? I was like, guys, not funny. And they're, like, practical jokers, so I was like, dude, this is not a time. Like, I was pissed. I was like, guys, come on, man. We only got one minute, and you're wasting 30 seconds now, like, making a dumb joke. And they're like, no, idiot, it's over. And I was like, no, it's not. And I like, argued with them until the ref called us to the middle to like announce the decision. I was like, wait, what? Is that is that because of the adrenaline and yeah, you're just like just, so locked in where you don't you even don't, realize it? Yeah, and you don't you don't recall like anything, right? So like the, my first couple fights are like that, and I think that's the case for a lot of people because it's just so tumultuous and chaotic that like it goes by so fast. That, and if, when you try and like think back of the memory, you don't really have one. I have a lot of false memories about that first fight because like I watched the video and then I'm, I'm like, I look back, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember doing that, but I don't really. I watched the video, I'm like, oh, I did that, okay, cool. You know, um, so my first couple fights were like that, and then performance anxiety started kicking in, and like, I'm a thinker, so like I I like ruminate on things, and like I'm just in sometimes I'm an anxious person just in general. And so, like, I think of, like, I try and think of, like, every scenario, and I overthink things. And so, like, s- there was, like, a disconnect between, like, my gym self and the person that, that was out in the cage. And that was really tough for me to reconcile because, like, in the gym, I was starting to win against guys that, like, I, I like, thought were better than me and, like, were better than me. And, and you know, I was getting really confident in the gym. And then I would go to perform in a fight and just, like, not be able to, like, put things together. I would get, like, like a pit in my stomach, not a good one, like a really bad one. Like, I, I would just be so anxious that, like, I didn't even want to fight anymore. And, like, I'd be, like, borderline throwing up in the back. Like, you know... Yeah. Yeah, and it's, like, something that you have to overcome. And, like, after every fight, I you know, you have that high of winning that you, you're, like, all right, I'll do this again. Like, I'll go through that again. And you keep doing that. And, like, some part of me also, like, wanted to conquer myself and, like, learn why I felt that way. And uh, I don't know. Back then, like, mental health issues were not, like, really in the forefront, especially in fighting. Like, maybe if you were, like, an NFL player or an NBA player, you got help doing that or you were an olympian Mm. 
but like in like a machismo kind of sport where there was this like facade of like being a man and this and that, you know, you, you get made fun of, you get made fun of a lot, you know? And like, no one really, I didn't really say anything to anyone out of fear of getting made fun of. And like talking to them now, like they don't make fun of me. So like they probably wouldn't have back then. I was just scared that they were going to. So I never said anything. So it just got worse and worse and worse. And then like, you know, I took a couple L's that way and uh, eventually, like, I got a therapist, and I started working through some personal issues that I had in the first place, and that helped things a lot because, like, you know, anxiety is like a, like a cup. Your capacity for dealing with stress is like an empty cup. You pour anxiety in it, you know, the cup's like half full. Now you have, like, the stress of fighting, the stress of cutting say, weight. Now, now add, add weight yeah. cutting and Shit starts spilling over, you know, and then you start getting, like, leakage, right? And that's when, that's when bad things happen. Your capacity to deal with that stress is it's overloaded, right? So I had to learn coping mechanisms in order to overcome that stress and keep my cup more empty and more able to take stress. So, like, for example, like, if something, like, like let's say something goes wrong in a fight. Right, you get taken down or you slip. I remember, I, I remember one of my fights. I lifted this guy up for like a crazy double, and I slipped on the logo, and he ended up mounted on me. So I basically pulled mount, and I panicked, you know. And then the adrenaline comes in, and so like my cup was already full because I was so anxious and so performance anxiety ridden uh, that like I couldn't deal with that level of stress of like, oh my god, I, I messed up. Like this is not good. So, you know, you, you go into panic mode, you go into fight or flight, and, and that's not good. Like, that's, uh, you have one minute, maybe maybe two if you're lucky, until you're totally adrenaline dumped and you're a limp noodle. And that's exactly what happened. So now, now that I have coping mechanisms and, like, I deal with that kind of stress a lot better, it doesn't go away, but, like, I manage it now, you know? I feel like I always hear stories about guys or girls that are, you got to see them in the gym, like when it comes to <laughs> yeah. training. And, oh, then yeah. you, and then it just doesn't translate in, in the yeah. octagon. And I was definitely one of those guys for a really long time. And to be totally honest with you, like I think in my last three or four fights is, the, is when I started being more myself. And like I'm pretty deep in my career already, you know, that's pretty late. And I'm starting to make that transition now. I, I, I don't even think I'm 100% of myself when I'm out there. And I'm getting there, and it's getting better every time I go out there. But, like, there's still a little bit of a disconnect. And, like, I'm putting the pieces together, and, like, things are things are going my way. But, like, it's tough, dude. And, yeah, there are a lot of people that you see them in the gym, and they're, they're killers. They, they could take half the roster of the UFC. <laughs> and you're like, how are you losing fights? I don't get it. You know, and I definitely felt that was, like... <laughs> I almost like accepted it as my role at one point, which was like not good because I was really down on myself about it, and I felt like a, like a gatekeeper, you know. Um, but it's tough, like yeah, like not everyone performs under the lights the same way they do in the gym. Like guys will come to spar, and I'll have no idea they're they're coming to spar, or like guys will come visit from another gym, and they're going super hard. I'm like, I don't get anxious about that stuff at all. Because it just happens in the moment, you know. You live in the moment. Like if I got attacked in the street, yeah, my adrenaline would spike. But like I, you know, I think ten out of ten times, like I'm winning that fight because like I'm not ruminating on the the anxiety of the day of like, mm. oh, we have this fight date set, you know. Like it just happens. You live in the moment, 
you know, so like you, you, you don't have performance anxiety, you just perform. So I think that's why a lot of people perform better at home in the gym where they're comfortable at, than opposed to like anywhere else. You know what's crazy about you fighting? I was at the first, uh, I was at a fight of yours before I even knew anything about you. Were you? I was at the Bellator card. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> you have an amazing story about like your theme music. Oh, yeah. The walkout. Oh yeah, so that, that was my that, that was my second pro fight, and like I was just super pumped to be in like a bigger organization, and I felt like it was like my opportunity to shine. And, and I'm pretty sure that was the first MMA event in New York, like sanctioned for Bellator, yeah, for Bellator, yeah, right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And Mike Gold, it was Mike Goldberg's first broadcast for them after he left the yeah, UFC. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was funny. So I was like, I was like backstage. And I was, like, in the runway waiting to go out there, like, waiting for them to call my name and have my music and whatnot. And Big John McCarthy was, like, the guy watching me, you know, before. And he was just, he was super nice, and he was just, like, chatting it up. And he was, like, uh, so what's, like, take a moment, like, savor this and, like, really remember it. He's, like, because, like, it's going to be tough to, you know. He's, like, take a moment, like, really think. I was, like, wow, that's really cool. And then he was, like, oh, what are you coming out to? And I was just, like, my stomach dropped, and I was, like... <laughs> I started laughing. I was like, I didn't pick a song. I forgot. Because, like, they give you, like, the form to fill out with all the medicals and stuff. And, like, it was, like, like a, about a month out from the fights. And, like, I hadn't decided what I wanted to yet. And so I texted the, the person I was in contact with, Bell Turner. I was like, can I, can I pick it later? And they were like, yeah, sure, no problem. They were like, just text it to me. And I just forgot. And so Big John was like, you better hope it's good. <laughs> and I was like, ah, whatever, man. I was like, we're at MSG and fighting for Bellator. I was like, I don't even care. It could, it could be Fetty Wap and it'd be all right. <laughs> and then uh, Top Gun Danger Zone came on, and I love that movie. And I was like, oh, man, this is a sign. This is my moment. <laughs> so I, I felt pretty good walking out to that. And then I walked out to that a few more times after that. But is that, that's not your song now, is it? No, the last song I came out to was Mongolian Rock, the Hue, H-U, the band. Um, I know you always play those, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I listened to that one song, On, Onward We Row Now, yeah, when, yeah. when I'm <laughs> swinging the kettlebells <laughs> in the moment. I was like, so motivated. It's like, fucking Hue, man. You got me listening to this shit now. It's great, though. It's great, yeah. It's great when it comes to that. Yo, I wanted to get you on the pod uh, for the longest time, and since, I, since I'm moving, uh, I'm leaving New York, and I'm moving out to Vegas, you were like, yo, I'll come and do your pod, yo, stop, <laughs> stop giving me mean looks. Uh, how good is my jujitsu for people that ask? You're a blue belt, and you're, you're a blue belt skill level, you know? So, like, for those people who don't know, it takes, like, around, on average, two years to get your blue belt. So, like, it's a pretty long time for martial arts. So someone who's a blue belt is uh, is going to really mop up anyone who's brand new to the sport or even a couple months deep or even a year deep. They're, they're going to win, like, I would say, like, 90% of the time, unless it's, like, a 130-pound person and someone's, like, 250 pounds. But, like, other than that, they're, I would put my money on you, <laughs> you know? So... What uh? You're right where you're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, but I was training a lot though, man. I was training a lot. I would go like four or five times a week. Yeah, yeah. What do you say? What do you think is like the normal? And granted, there's exceptions and everyone's different. Because like I'm a hobbyist. Right, I right. I have no desire to compete. I have no desire to ever, ever do anything crazy like that. I just like that. I've always been disciplined. I've always been an athlete. So I like learning some new shit that. 
I can get better at with no desire. Like when I was 14, 15, I played soccer. I was really good at soccer. And I, I always ask this question to people that come on, like, you know, what's your biggest regret? You can't tell us, no, I live with no regrets because everyone has one. There has to be something in your life that you regret. So for me, it's always been when, when I stopped soccer when I was 15. Like I was being recruited because I played club soccer for Cosmos and I was getting recruited by D1 schools at like 14, 15 years old. Not through my high school, right, but right. through like the club. Nice. And then after my sophomore year, I was like, yeah, I want to play football. It's birthed everything that I'm doing now. Like my career now is because of the love for football. Right. But my biggest regret was giving up soccer when I did. But I always liked the the, the drilling aspect and training and working towards something. And when I was younger, I was like, yo, I'm going to go pro. Like everyone did. Right? right. Right. But now as I've gotten older, it's just some it's something so awesome that I could just go and learn something new. I feel way more confident. Yeah. Like just day to day life. I was at a bar recently and like not a fight. A fight didn't break out, but guys were just jawing at each other. You know, right, drunk yeah, guys yeah. at the bar. Peacocking. And uh, I've never been more calm. <laughs> well, you're in a stressful situation every day. Right. But yeah. I, I'm, I've never like I've never gotten into a fight on the street. So I'm not like a fighter. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But I mean, like when someone's trying to choke you out, break your arm, like it's your brain registers that as the same threat level as someone coming up to you in the street. So like you've continually learned how to deal with that rush of adrenaline and other hormones and, and like stress molecules that you, you're, you know how to deal with your stress response. So unless something is an actual threat to you, that stress response isn't going out of control and you're fine. You know, so I think that I think that people who have stressful jobs like police officers, firemen, things like that should all do some sort of combat sport because like you're not you're not like pulling out your gun and shooting someone every day, you know, like you can't do that every day. You you need to train like your stress response and this is like an easy way to do it and a safe way. And that's probably why you felt good. Yeah, it was so weird. Like, it was, it was just like a calmness to it. And it's just like, my favorite thing about jujitsu is I love how you can't like half ass it. Like, unless you do a technical role with someone. Right. right. Where it's like, ah, yeah. you know, like, oh, yo, my knee is a little banged which up. Always, let's which not always go. gets to more than that. Yeah. Because then eventually, <laughs> like, yo, I thought we were going, we weren't going that hard. Shout out to Danny, who that <laughs> was like, yo, let's do a technical role. I got a tattoo. And then before yeah, you know it. Yeah. But. It's it's like, you know, when you're when you're spar sparring or you're hitting pads, like sometimes you'll go light in sparring, right? And it's like you know you'll hit someone. You you always say like, yo, you're gonna hit someone as hard as you want to be hit, right. right? So if you're going to tee off on someone, expect the receipt coming of back course, your way. Yeah. But like with jits, I feel like at all times when you're going live, you're going a hundred percent. So it's more, it's more um, what's the word or, or like thing I'm looking for like. It's more replicated like on a street in like a street fight or something as yeah, opposed to yeah. like if if you're just hitting pads in a gym and then a fight breaks no, out. No, it's not stressful. It's, yeah. No one's attacking you. You know, right. you're not. You're, There's nothing coming back your way. You would have to spar. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. That's like my favorite thing about Jits. And yeah. that's why I think there was like that calmness to it. Totally. Yeah. Are you pro people like picking up a combat sport? Like do you? Do you are you it, someone that like advocates for it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it helps a lot of people with just discipline and like as, as like I've coached people a long time and, and you know been teaching class for a long time that like I see the benefit 
not just on the mat, but off. And like a lot of people take the confidence they get in jujitsu and take it into their job, you know, or they, they get energetic. They're, they're energized. They're working out every day. They, they're feeling good about themselves. They're feeling like if they walk down the street and they get harassed by some person, then it's not going to be the end of the world. Like they're, 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 they're not stressed about it, you know? And I, I think that those benefits of discipline and like making it to practice every single day, being able to like deal with the monotony of drilling and how boring that is sometimes. It sucks sometimes, right. especially right. when like you've and like you're always learning. And one of my favorite things to do is, is like recapping, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I know how to do an arm bar. But there's some times where like there's little like a minor detail. Yeah, for sure. You can always adjust. Like, yeah. Sharpen your tool. And, and, and yeah. I've also noticed that like when new guys come. And, like, they're just learning, and I'm showing them. It's, like, a refresher for me, too. Oh, definitely. If you can teach it, you certainly know how to do it. Now, what would you say is the hardest, like, obviously, black belt is, like, the ultimate goal for people, and that's, like, the one that takes the longest. Yeah. But where do you see, like, the most drop-off? Where do you see... (laughs) Are you laughing because I haven't trained in, like, six weeks? (laughs) A little bit, a little bit. It's called the Blue Belt Blues, and you're a blue belt. Nah, nah, nah. But I like that. You know? We're under construction in here. There's a lot of shit going on. But is that where you see... I would say the sharpest drop-off is blue belt. Like, people... Like, other martial arts, like more traditional martial arts, uh, where there is a belting system, you know, that you get... There's more belts in the first place. Like, there's only a couple belts in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so, like, it takes longer to get each one. Um, so people don't get that like instant gratification that we're so used to nowadays with getting likes on, on any social media platform and stuff like that. So it's kind of a delayed gratification system. And some people are super strict with how they belt people. And, and, you know, I prefer that than them just handing out belts like candy. But, uh, isn't that dangerous though, too? Like oh, it, waters it, down it, the sport. Yeah. But like, also if you were to give me a brown belt. And then I go to another gym and I'm a brown belt and they start doing fucking wild heel hooks and knee bars and I have no idea what's going on. Well, I mean, like, that, that does happen sometimes. Like, it's rare, but it does happen. But isn't that a dick move on the coach or the gym because oh, you're yeah, putting not, someone in danger? It's, cool. it's irresponsible. It's, yeah, it's yeah that's not, exactly it. Yeah, it's, it's just not cool. And, and like, it, it's also embarrassing for the person, too, because it's not their fault. They don't know that they're not that level. They, 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 they're getting the belt from someone they respect and and like trust as a teacher and they're just lying to them you know and that's not cool but uh as far as like the sharpest drop off yeah it's definitely blue belt because i feel like people they finally get the blue belt and they're like "Ah, i'm done like i did it and they feel so accomplished and then you know they their life starts getting hectic as it always is, but like they wanted that blue belt. So they were willing to make sacrifices and other aspects of their life in order to get to the gym. Damn. Why are you talking about me right now? (laughs) I'm checking all the boxes. Right. But, but then they, they get the blue belt and they're like, okay, I can take a little bit of a step back from jujitsu right now. They're like, I'm not going to quit, but I'll only come one time a week for like a couple months, you know, to get the rest of my life in order. And, the things I was I was skipping before, I'm gonna like go all in on them, and jujitsu gets pushed to the back burner, and then you know how life is like months go by and you're like man wow time flies and it's been what four months since someone's trained, and then you're like wow damn okay and then a couple years go by, and then all of a sudden you're scared to come back because you have this blue belt, 
but you haven't trained in like six months to a year. And then you're like, oh, man, if I go back, these white belts are going to kick my ass and tap me out. It's going to be embarrassing. Yeah, and they've been there. And it's going to be embarrassing. So then you, you choose not to go back. And a lot of people are too scared to come back. It happens all the time. So you think between blue to purple is where you see the biggest drop off? No, no, white to blue. Oh, white to like blue. Like once you get your blue belt, they don't come back. It's the blue belt blues. I can't front. I was so excited when I got the color because I'll put the <laughs> belt on and then I would look. And, and, you know, like we, our school, we all started uh, relatively at the same, right? And then the, yeah. the only people that had like colored belts were all the coaches. Right, right, right. So when people started getting belts, like I remember it was like Jose and then little Louie got it. Right. And right. Uh, I was like, damn, that shit just looks so cool. Like having a blue <laughs> belt, it looks just so cool. Yeah. Until you get to brown belt. That's the worst color. Yeah. Brown it's belt. awful. Especially after purple, which is so badass. And Donatello is my favorite Ninja Turtle. <laughs> Let's go. So I was like, man, ah, purple belt. And then I, I got my brown belt and I was really sad. It's like just shit brown. Yeah. Like, damn, uh, man. I can't wait to get this, this brown off me. Is white to blue... Like, say someone doesn't have the blues, right? They okay. don't have the, the blue belt blues, and they're, they're training just as much. And for a hobbyist, because I try to push all my friends to go do jujitsu. Right. Uh, especially the ones that were, like, athletes and shit. And, like, yeah, a lot yeah. of my friends that were football players, too. I'm like, yo, you'll like it, especially if you play defense and you're tackling. Like, you know, you got that wrestling side to it, too. Yeah. It could exert some anger exchange, and whatnot. Yeah. For the hobbyist, right, when you go from white to blue... Does that take longer than what blue to purple would be, purple to brown? Just give so, me like a range because uh, like we said, everyone's different. Right? Yeah. So the thing with jujitsu is that it's very subjective to both the person who's training and their coach, right? Their instructor. So like it depends on the school you're at. It depends on how many times a week you're going. It depends on what the instructor values for you to do. Like do, do they want you to compete in their game? And they're holding you back until you get better at their game? Or, like, are they like, oh, they're, they have their own style. Let me just belt them anyway because I know that they're good. You know, so it, it's really hard to tell. There's a minimum amount of time in each belt. So you, I, think, I think it's too – I forget what it is for blue belt. But for blue to purple is one year. And, and uh, for purple to brown is one year. And brown to black, I think, is one year too. Maybe it's two years for purple to brown. I forget. I have to look it up, but it's the, the the IBJJF made those rules. I mean, so who really cares? So there's a minimum the time that you have to. <laughs> there's a minimum time that you have to be that belt. Right, right, and I and I think that's good. So like, you know, what happens if like I get my blue belt and then I don't? I mean, it clearly didn't happen with you. That was like eye opening when me and you rolled because I had never seen you roll. Right, I only yeah, saw yeah. you roll like you know fucking around and not not I wouldn't I shouldn't say fucking around, but you know yeah with you guys. yeah yeah yeah. I'm not trying to hurt you. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, and we, yeah. we were starting doing this back and forth. And I was like, yo, how many times do you think you could tap me out in five <laughs> minutes? And you were like, yo, as many as I would want. I was like, yo, you, th- you think more than five? And you're like, dude, easy. I'm like, nah, no way. Five <laughs> minutes. I just got my blue belt. I'm feeling good. <laughs> you know, I went like two weeks. Jose didn't tap me out. Right, I was like, right. I'm feeling good, yeah. you know? And then you just like, you put them. I, I knew I fucked up because you put the mouthpiece in. Well, I mean, I always put the mouthpiece in when I'm rolling. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's true. And, and then uh, it was just like, I was like, damn, I think it was like 13 or 14 times. And, and you were going hard. You were going like competition hard on me. I mean, not quite, but yeah, not yeah quite? almost. 
but from like a one to ten, what was I wasn't it? being like super mean. Nah, except that you put me in a, a wrist lock, wrist lock. And, and my hand hurt for like three weeks. I was yeah, like, wait, why does my wrist hurt? Oh yeah, thank yeah. you. You're a blue belt. You're allowed to do that. But what if, what if like, <laughs> but what if say, say I got my blue belt and you see me in training, I start tapping out brown belts. Does that, so, does that speed up the process for I me mean, or? It depends. Like, you know, like. How much gi are you doing? Are you just a no-gi guy? Because, like, uh, when you're no-gi, like, I have no idea what belt you are. And, like, especially, like, so, like, a lot of MMA guys do a lot of no-gi. So, like, you look at them, and some of their skill levels are, like, brown, black belt level in some arenas of jiu-jitsu. And then you're like, wow, this guy's really good. And then they put on the gi, and they're a white belt. And you're like, what? You know, it, it, it's so subjective. It's, it's really circumstantial. And, uh, like, at the end of the day, the belts really don't matter. Like, the thing, the beauty about jiu-jitsu is that, like, you can actively train jiu-jitsu at 100% a couple times a week. Like, spar at 100%, right? You can't say that for, like, boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, Krav Maga. You can't spar 100% ever in Krav Maga. You're going to maim your partner, like... I'm sorry, you're not, like, dropping to your knee and punching me in the ball sack 700 times, like, uh, twice a week. Like, no thanks. You're not gouging my eye out. So, like, you can train your technique at 100% stress level all the time in jiu-jitsu. So you can't lie on the mat, right? Mm. If you're subjecting yourself to live training with your gym, with another gym, wherever it is on the mat, you can't lie about how good you are. It's going to get proven like either you're good or you're not, and it's going to show. And I think that's one of the only martial arts in the world that can say that. Wrestling is the same. You know, most grappling arts are like that because, like, you have the option of tapping out. You're not getting super injured from it. Like, it's not a punch where you can't, like, pull it. You yeah. Know? Do, you, do you get angry when people tap and it's not like – because I'm, I'm someone where – if someone has it, like if I know they clearly have it under my neck, like I'm not someone that prolongs it. Look, you're, like you said, are a hobbyist. You do this for fun. You do this because it's interesting to you and it's healthy for you. If, if you were trying to compete and you were tapping immediately when it was sunk in, not trying to get out for a few more seconds mm. before you passed out, then yeah, I'd be pissed at you. I'd be like, you shouldn't compete. You, got you, don't, you don't got it. You know, you don't have that that unteachable grit. Yeah. But like, it's like you got to go to work the next day. Like, yeah, tap out, go ahead. If you feel uncomfortable, tap out. I don't care. Like it's, it's your choice. Hmm. I'm like, if I'm in a, if I'm in a compromised position, I kind of just like, if, if I know, like, there's no way, like, don't get me wrong. I do try to get out of it. But when I know that like I'm kind of drawing dead to use the poker term, I'm like, right, I'm not right. gonna prolong this. All right, it's a fine line to walk, right? especially when it comes to like the leg stuff too. Oh well, yeah. I mean, like you should immediately tap to that if you don't know what you're doing. Like it's it's just not worth. Better it. than reacting. Yeah, because yeah. what what if you roll the wrong way and you yeah, tear yeah, your yeah. own knee? Like it's just not worth it. I will say it's more so with the leg stuff for me. Yeah, totally. And like the leg stuff, like a lot of the time doesn't hurt until it's too late. Right, like an arm bar, like that hurts immediately, and you're like, okay, well, uh, I can either break my arm or tap. You have that like moment where you can choose. You're in a heel hook, 
sometimes it doesn't hurt at all, and then it's like pop, 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 and you're like, oh, well, I guess I'm uh, out for a year. Out for nine months. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so especially when you're newer and you don't know anything about leg locks, yeah, tap, tap early, tap often. You'll have a long career. So you, I didn't even mention. I mean, it's going to be in the description of the the episode, but you're a black belt. Yeah. With the with the whole like. Can someone be a black belt, but then, like, not comfortable with the leg lock stuff? Oh, totally. Because it's such a new game? Yeah, without a doubt. Especially, like, older black belts, you know? Like, th- they did leg locks back in the day. Like, that's not a new thing. But the but how, n- it, now I how feel like, it's systematic. Now right? I feel like the new school of jiu-jitsu is all, like, Imanari rolls, heel hook, and yeah, that's yeah. about it. Not that's about it, but that's, yeah. like, the primary I mean, everything point. comes in waves, and, like, you'll see that, like, one-year Kimuras are really in style, or, like, people found, like, a different way to set them up, and they become successful, and, like, then other people start emulating that, because it's a hole in, like, people's game that, until they close that hole up, they're gonna use it, you know, they're gonna utilize that, that lack of defense there and so like when gordon ryan and those guys and the danaher death squad came around they were killing everybody but now a lot of people are much better at leg locks so you're seeing less and less of them or you're seeing like the guy who initiated the leg lock getting submitted in a leg lock (laughs) yeah it's such a weird game to play sometimes i like using like leg locks to sweep or to like advanced position then there'll be times where like i'll get the leg lock and then i end up (laughs) <laughs> in a leg lock, right, like right. fuck. This well, is a risky take happen. when you yeah. do that, you know. What is uh? What do you think is like the future for jujitsu and MMA? I know it's two different, two jiu-jitsu differences. But in MMA or and MMA and MMA. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I think at at a certain point, like in MMA, like fighters are gonna have more control, and it's. I actually really like what PFL is doing with the seasons, because that way you know when you're fighting. And you have like an off season where you can start doing skill acquisition and not worry about your weight, not worry about like, oh, am I like spinning your wheels? Like, am I fighting? Am I not fighting? Am I fighting? Am I not fighting? Like guys pulling out, then you're not fighting, then your fight's in a month. And like, you don't have time to build like a skill set that's new and work on something that you're really terrible at in the gym because you don't want to sacrifice the little time you have in order to like get in shape or or work to beat this opponent that you're planning for and whatnot. So I think at a certain point, like it'll start getting like more like regular sports where you have an off season and an on season. And like, I really like the tournament style too, because you can't pick and choose. You can't run from anybody. You can't hide. Like, there is, he's next up. Yeah. That's it's not based on like Instagram following and like how many people you have in your country backing you like pay-per-view buys and stuff like that. It's based on who's a better martial artist. And you know, that's why I got into fighting is to test my skill as a martial artist. So like anything that, that plays to that I'm in full support of as far as jujitsu, I think jujitsu is getting more and more popular, especially as MMA has gotten more, more, more popular. Um, and a lot of these, Why do you think that is, though? Do you be, think it's because it, it's like everyone assumes they could throw a punch? So they think that's like an... I don't want to say easy, but it's like everyone could do that motion. But like the idea of like choking someone or like the arm bar stuff, maybe that's more intriguing. 
I think it's gotten more and more popular, especially in this country, because more like in the beginning of MMA, like it was, it was like one specific martial art against one specific martial art. No one was a mixed martial artist at that point, right? It was like, oh, my karate is better than your judo. Yeah. My karate is better than your your wrestling. Jiu Jitsu right. practitioner. And the Gracies just, came yeah. on, and they were submitting Ken Shamrock, and people were like, "What the hell? How is this tiny little guy doing that?" And so they were intrigued because, you know, not everyone's huge. Like most people aren't huge. So they're like, oh, what do I do as the smaller person? And then those guys started like the sport started becoming an actual sport instead of this like underground thing. So instead of just having like martial artists and like junkyard dog fighters like pitted against each other, the athlete came in too. Right. And so like as the athlete came in, people started training properly like dieting properly, like recovering properly. Like they were taking stuff from like the NFL, the MLB, and like they were they were implementing that into MMA. And I think that those protocols uh, make it easier for someone to come into a jiu-jitsu school because it's like you're not training as hard. You're not sparring with four-ounce gloves on like people were back in the day. You know, like where they were just like basically like a barroom brawl every time you were in the gym. The, like the, the hobbyist, like you, you, you would walk in there and you'd be like, nope, not for me, and leave, right? It wasn't accessible to people like you. It wasn't mm. accessible to people who didn't want to fight, right? And now, since there are different training protocols, it's safer. Like you're, you're not training as hard all the time. Like sometimes you do, but maybe those classes, I, like if you're a hobbyist, you don't go to. You know, so like I think it's just a lot more accessible, and there's a lot more black belts in the United States now. Back then, it was like only in Brazil, and it was like a couple guys, and they were they they kept everything tight knit. But as it, as that sport started leaking out of Brazil, it came here. Some Brazilians came here. They taught some Americans, and then now I would say that a lot of Americans are some of the best jujitsu people in the, in the world. Australians too. So like, it's all over the place now, and. and like it's just a lot more accessible to everyone and and it's systematized it's not like this weird like off, like off-brand thing like fringe thing mm. you know like and since the popular like since the UFC is so popular it's a household name everyone knows what jiu-jitsu is because people do jiu-jitsu in the UFC the commentators are talking about it Joe Rogan most popular podcast guy on the planet is a jiu-jitsu black belt. He's constantly talking about it. It's in the mainstream. People know what it is. They want to do it. You know, so I think that's why it's gotten more popular and that's why people are starting to pay jiu-jitsu athletes a lot better because yeah, I was going to say I people feel watch like I it. see I see some big numbers being thrown at like some, some of these guys make more money than fighters. Yeah. You know, and especially the the guys fighting on the regional circuit, they're making way more money. Damn. Yeah, man, it's dope. I I I encourage everyone to go and try it. It's sick. It could be intimidating, like you said, but not as much, especially if you know someone. Right, right. Don't. It's going to be intimidating regardless. Yeah. Like, your first class, you're going to be scared. But, like, that's okay. Dude, I'll never forget. It took me, like, three months to legit tap someone out. Right. That's not surprising. 
And when it did, I got like hype. And I remember Serge being like, yo, you can't do that. You can't like show him out. I was like, my <laughs> yeah, bad, dude. Yeah. I was just getting ragdolled for three months by this 15 <laughs> year old kid that I outweighed by 100 pounds. Right. But he's got to tell you not to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, let's go. Sets a bad precedent yeah, for yeah. everybody else. <laughs> shout out to Louie, by the way. That right. Like, you, you can't be doing a touchdown dance on your training. Bike. Yeah. <laughs> you won't have any friends left. Yo, Hugh, this was awesome, man. I appreciate yeah, you man. coming on. We got to wrap come this up. come on sooner. Yeah, yeah. If, if my jujitsu was a little sharper, maybe I would know you. Is there anything on social media you got to plug or promote? I know you do some of the, the uh, swing workouts. So my my uh, Instagram name is super embarrassing. It's Humongosaurus Rex. Um, probably the only one with that name. Um, but the, the fitness stuff I do is Asgard Athletics, like Asgardian, like Thor. I used to have super long hair. Now I'm just a loser. Yo, what went into that? A lot of my hair broke training in jujitsu, and so and then like my headgear got ripped off one time sparring, and I basically had bangs. And I was like, nope, gotta reset. I'm growing it back out, but you know, now I'm just a loser. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, this was fun, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for uh, the the instructions and just being my coach and all that. And I'm a miss for man. sure. Yeah, I'm me too. It. Uh, me too i, really I hope, I hope you stick with it yeah yeah i've already found a place out there uh i was i was gearing up like september to start coming full time again i was telling you this when i saw you yesterday uh just it's been chaotic the last couple of weeks yeah yeah it's a good chaotic though right, i don't want right. to bitch and moan about it but it's you know the process of moving right. and especially moving cross country has been like yeah stuff fucking nightmare and gathering yeah. money and doing all this what am i gonna send what am i not gonna <laughs> send so it's been fun, man. But yeah, I just wanted to say I appreciate you. Thank Thanks, you. Dude. And uh, at Veterans Minimum is where you can find everything, veteransminimum.com. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.